0: The GOP is going through some things, many things. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. So this is where we are. A criminal defendant facing trial for 91 felony counts, including the overthrow of of American democracy, is calling the shots of one of our two major political parties. Kevin McCarthy is speaker in name only. He has lost all control of his caucus as Donald Trump pulls the strings of his congressional henchmen, begging them to defund his prosecutions and literally bringing our government to the brink of a shutdown. Let's put this in perspective. Just today, Jack Smith added a war crimes prosecutor to the cases against the former president. Don't let the irony be lost on you. To appease his extreme MAGA caucus, McCarthy denied Zelensky the opportunity to address a joint session of Congress this week, right after the Ukrainian president reminded the world at the UN that Vladimir Putin currently has a warrant out for his arrest for crimes against humanity. Covering for dictators and dictators in waiting is now a top priority of the Republican Party. From Donald Trump, to George Santos, to Texas AG Ken Paxton, this party has rejected every opportunity to cut off the poison fruit. And now the whole tree is rotten. And yes, this is a uniquely Republican problem. No one is perfect, but when Democrats face corruption in their ranks, they root it out. Just look at the growing calls for Senator Menendez to resign after his indictment today on three counts, including bribery. Democrats are capable of putting politics aside in the interest of justice, and they do. Name one Democrat who is calling the DOJ's indictment of Menendez a witch hunt or political prosecution. There are none. This is just further proof that the GOP's constant projection that a justice system weaponized by Biden to harm his political opponents is anything but. That's what Donald Trump did time and time again. And in case you've forgotten or are tuning into Lights On for the first time, I know, because I lived it. On the flip side, the utter dysfunction of the GOP hasn't stopped the Biden administration from having a highly effective week, from ramping up support for Ukraine to launching a long-awaited climate initiative and taking the lead to end the mortifying epidemic of gun violence. And we just learned that President Biden will stand on the picket line with the UAW next week as the auto workers union rightfully shunned Donald Trump. Far from destroying America like the outgoing patriarch at Fox News would have this country believe, Democrats are restoring it and building it up. They're fighting fascism in our schools and communities and defending basic freedoms that Republicans are ruthlessly trying to strip away. The Democratic Party, while imperfect, is our front line to defend democracy. And in this moment, every one of us can come together to fortify those defenses. It's great to be joined by someone who is all in on that front line. And it's ladies night again on Lights On. I'm so happy to introduce to you someone you know and love as politics girl, Lee McGowan. Lee, welcome to Lights On.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. It's a pleasure. First time caller.
0: Yeah, I really, I'm really excited to bring the female energy. I think that, uh, you know, women in this moment in democracy are such a powerful force. And what you have done with your platform is just a beautiful example of that.
1: Well, thank you. You know, years ago, I heard uh, the Dalai Lama quote that said, he said, Western women would save the world. And I thought, that's pretty interesting because we're the people that have been sort of. Uh, been given a mouthpiece late in the game and yet I think we're running with it uh to mix my metaphors you know I really think that women uh, are the ones being attacked in this country right now we're the ones whose rights are being taken away from us but I also think that there's so many women who are really standing up and doing the work Last week on my podcast we were talking to uh, the executive director of field team six which does Democratic registration across America. um, Incredible organizing. Just an incredible organization. But he was saying that the primary group of people who volunteer for him are women. And he was like, I really want to call out that because as a man running this company, the amount of people who come to me that work for me that get Democrats registered. And we're talking like over the past four years, they've got 2.4 million Democrats registered. Like This is no small feat. And he's like, they're primarily women and people of color. And I find that incredible because these are the people who really are front lines to our rights being taken away. And I'm so glad that we're out here speaking our minds, saying what's what, and uh, and standing up for what needs to be done.
0: Yeah, I caught some clips of that interview, which was great. And I noticed that he, you know, he really identifies Field Team Six as a Democrat registration arm, yeah. not nonpartisan, which is so important because, yeah, no, you he's, know, he's, as I was... I was trying to say in my open, like, this is, you know, this is really part of my awakening and my, my shining a light on what needs to be done in this moment in, a, in the de- our democracy. I'm an independent. I fully support Democrats. And if you believe in democracy, if you love freedom, that's the only choice right now. We yeah. don't have the luxury of choosing the Republican Party or, God forbid, a third party, which I want to talk <laughs> about that a little bit later. We have to unite behind Democrats to save what we have now.
1: Well, I think that listening to your introduction, I think we can I would love it if we could get behind the idea of finally putting this ridiculous idea that both parties are the same to rest. Right. Like you were mentioning some of the things in your opening like this week alone, the Biden administration took their first steps towards removing medical bills from people's credit scores to improve the credit rating of you know, millions of people who had the bad luck of getting sick, right? The Republicans would still like to get rid of the Affordable Care Act because they really don't care if you get sick, Um, but they certainly don't care if you got bad credit because of it. Um, The president just announced the first ever White House uh, office gun gun violence production program because, as he said, and I thought he said it beautifully, thoughts and prayers are just not enough, right? Biden used his executive power to create kind of like a New Deal style American Climate Corps modeled to make new green jobs and training programs and and employ a whole bunch of young people, like 20,000 young adults, to build trails and plant trees and help install solar panels and do other work to sort of boost conservation and help prevent wildfires. And the Republicans got into a fight with the transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, in a congressional hearing about the difference between climate change and seasons, right? Like these, the parties are not the same. And you were talking about um, this Bob Menendez thing, right? Like Bob Menendez is a big, important Democrat. He's the chairman of the Senate Senate committee on foreign relations he is like a ranking member of the senate and we only have a one seat difference and yet he is going to be asked by the democrats to step down because he and his wife were indicted on feb- you know federal bribery charges so we can't pretend that these two parties are the same because Like I said, in this week alone, you got Ken Paxton in Texas just acquitted by his own party for misconduct, bribery, corruption in a case that was overseen by Dan Patrick, who took three million dollars from a group supporting Ken Paxton. So we have okay. to stop pretending that these this two- This is an equal, pl- yeah, it's yeah, not the, well, the it's, same. Like, it's not two sides not of the same, the same coin. Same. It's not even the same currency. And we have no. to stop doing that. No.
0: And you know, I think the Menendez thing is so important. I mean, you, the first senator uh, out of Minnesota, Democrat Dean Phillips called for his resignation. Eric Holder has very vocally, he put a tweet out, called for his resignation. Um, I've interviewed crew on this program many times, Citizens for Responsibility, and ethics in Washington. I mean, they've been some of the most vocal advocates for, you know, prosecution of Trump, invocation of the 14th Amendment. Um, And yet they are calling for Senator Menendez to resign as well. It's such a I mean, you know, (laughs) I try to bring on lights on this into a human perspective, not just a political perspective. You know, me as a as a woman, when I faced all of these things that I went through and how to handle them, there was so much introspection, you know, looking at my own self, where did I make a mistake? Where can I correct myself? And that's (laughs) vital on an individual level or on a government level to health and growth and progress. If you cannot identify your own wrongdoing and root it out and correct it, um, that's That's a, you know, just spells disaster and decay and destruction and death. (laughs) I mean, you have to be able to realize when you're wrong, whether it's in your party, in your individual life, um, and take those steps to correct it. And that's that's growth. That's what we're all living for. And that's these are the choices that we're facing. On one side, we have a party who's willing to do that writ large and on another side we have a party who embraces the the sins the corruption the criminality and says oh no no we're just going to cover it all up and pretend it's you that is so destructive and dangerous
1: yeah i mean the party of projection is really what the party of personal responsibility used to be you know and it's so interesting because you're talking about you had to reflect on your own life when you were coming out of your own trump years And unfortunately, the Republican Party, which I don't think is the Republican Party anymore, and I think we need to be really clear, like, this is not your dad's Republican Party. This is mega. The Republican Party you knew is gone. They are gone. And the quicker we kind of come to terms with that, the more uh, prepared we'll be to deal with what's actually happening to us, you know? And I think that starts with, as you said, personal responsibility. But on a party level, if they could just... Uh, address where they're at, they wouldn't be here, and they've had so many opportunities, so many opportunities. You know, they had a come to Jesus moment after they lost to Obama, and they were like, "Geez, we are not growing with the country. We are not reflecting where the country is going. We are not getting new voters, young voters, people of color. Um, we need to adjust that." But instead of adjusting that, they doubled down. They doubled down on. Uh, grievance. They doubled down on anger. They doubled down on white Christian supremacy. And that's how we got Donald Trump. And then they had a chance to get rid of him in the first impeachment. They didn't do it. They had a chance to get rid of him in the second impeachment. He couldn't have run again. They didn't do it. Uh, They had a chance to distance themselves after January 6th. They didn't do it. They had a chance to distance themselves uh, when he said the election was stolen. They didn't do it. And now they're stuck with it because they are who he is. There is no separation. There's no light between it. And as you said, now Donald Trump is calling the shots in the Republican-controlled House, not the House members themselves.
0: It's insane. It's insane. It it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, and you're talking about you know that opportunity after Obama, and I can't help but thinking about Rupert Murdoch and the role that he played, the role that he singularly played with Fox News. And again, this is a very personal lived experience for me. I didn't see it as racist. I didn't see it as white supremacist. I saw it as patriotic. I saw it as, you know, a these people that love a faith that I love, which I have now come to see as complete hypocrisy and blasphemy. Um, but they, they really hijacked this platform of freedom. And while they were doing it, painted beginning with Obama, which in retrospect, I now understand was so overtly racist, painted the Democrats as this party that wants to tear our country down and put it up in flames. And they do it to this day. It is so, divisive and destructive. Um, And I don't think, you know, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have Donald Trump without Fox News. We wouldn't have any kind of this sustained support for who are really domestic terrorists in our country um, if it weren't for this massive media entity who's poisoned so many minds.
1: Oh, yeah. But I would say to you, you know, I think people need to give themselves a break Uh, I've had, you know, many, many family members who have fallen down that fox rabbit hole. And I think the thing is, is that you said, you know, you can see in retrospect how overtly racist the coverage of Obama was. And I think the thing is, it actually wasn't overtly racist. It was subversively racist. And- Good dog whistly, and in a way that people could get away with thinking, Yeah, no, it's just that he's not a citizen. That's why I don't like him. You yeah. know, and it's not only that, that but don't... they,
0: you know, Lee, they use these token, they, and I, I recognize this from the entertainment industry, they use token people of color, yeah. token people of different faiths, whether it's Muslim or whatever, to say, Oh, no, this is not a racist position. So there's constantly enforcement on networks like Fox from Black people, from Hispanic people, from people of different faiths to say, oh no, everything you're saying here is justified, you know, and it's not racist. So it makes it further does exactly what you're doing saying it did which is it's not over it is subversive <laughs>
1: yeah it's the here's my black friend uh, yeah exactly. theory of doing things and i think the yeah. thing is is that like there are people who allow themselves to be tokens too uh, there's women yeah. that allow themselves to be tokens there's politicians like tim scott that allow themselves to be tokens there are people like candace owen who are clearly just oh, cashing in on uh their tokenism to make money um and it's unfortunate because like you said the the detriment to the country uh that fox news has been allowed to inflict on us is one of the things but it's not i mean to be clear it's not just america right like brexit happened because of rupert murdoch his media in england allowed brexit to happen and that was based on a full-blown lie about the amount of people that were coming in. And after the election, they were like, oh yeah, those numbers we gave you, none of that was right, you know? And you just think, how did this one Australian come in and like trash so many countries for profit? Honest to God, for profit. And for, you know, I would say relations because Donald Trump has many relationships with Russia, but so does Rupert Murdoch. And, you know, this kind of idea of we will be able to destroy your country without ever firing a shot, It it happened from the inside. We did it to ourselves. We allowed it to happen. And it's one of the reasons why if I had my druthers along with uh, improving our education in America, because I really do think um, Trump saying he loves the uneducated is true because the stupider we are and the less informed we are, the easier we are to manipulate. So we need to work on education. But we also really need a truth in broadcasting law. We need a fairness doctrine for the new millennium. We need to say that we, the American people, don't believe we should be able to be lied to for profit. And there has to be a law that says that. So you can't just smear someone. You can't just say Joe Biden is doing X, Y, and Z and everyone gets outraged about it when it's just a blatant lie and no one is held responsible for it unless there is a civil trial. From a company like Dominion, Dominion it shouldn't come farming, down to yeah. people suing these companies for money and yet them staying on the air. You pay almost 800 million dollars, you're still on the air spewing lies. That should not be allowed. And we as a people should ask for that.
0: Yeah. And when and if and I think that's, you know, there's so much so much to be taken into into consideration with laws like that. Uh, Like a you know reinstitution of the fairness doctrine because you know some version yeah some version of it right 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 out of the gate that there's going to be this uh, gaslighting that oh it's an attack on free speech right (laughs) that's what they always do they they blatantly attack others free speech again I lived this experience from the right wing and the Trumps. Um, And then they pretend that others, you know, trying to set things right and stand up for truth and justice are attacking free speech. And so, you know, there has to be if there is going to be a fairness doctrine, um, you know, we have to really get better at defining the narrative of what is free speech versus blatant misinformation and disinformation and foreign influence um, versus, you know, real attacks on free speech, like the ones that I and many others experienced from a real weaponized justice department. Um, you know, I think the free speech debate so vitally needs to be clarified in this country because it's another way that they use to portray themselves
1: as victims when they're anything, but. Yeah. And I think the idea that we need to remember is that free speech doesn't mean you get to say anything without consequence. (laughs) It's the whole free speech from, from article one of the constitution is, um, is about the government not being able to come after you for what you say, particularly what you say about the government itself. Um, that's why companies like Twitter were able to take people uh, down for hate speech because they were a private company and they were allowed to do that. It's the same reason now that Elon owns it, that he can let everyone and their mother, uh, Nazi lover, you know, be on the sh- on the network saying whatever they want on the feed Um, because it is a private company and they can do whatever they want. It actually has nothing to do with the free speech doctrine of America. And I think when it comes down to it, we need to have rules that keep the public safe. Just like you have lines on the highway to tell us which lane to drive in. Just like we have rules for our speed in our cars and we have rules for drinking and driving and we have rules for how old you have to be to drink or how old you have to be to go to the to war we should have rules that keep us safe because if we learned anything from the pandemic it's that we're now questioning science right we're questioning if if masks work if vaccines are safe if like all these things that keep us safe we are now questioning we question if our elections are real if our elections are safe if they're lying to us about who won elections that's all misinformation weaponized to make people question truth And I think our media has done us a terrible disservice trying to get as many eyeballs on their screens by pandering to everybody than just telling us the truth. You know, I keep going back to that old saying that's like a journalist's job. Is not to hear one person say it's not raining and one person say it's raining and (laughs) report them both, right? Your job is to look out the window and tell us the truth, right? Like that's the job. And I think we've we've had a huge disservice for that. And I think we need to ask more of our media um, because I think it would really help us.
0: Yeah and when you talked when you were talking about the whole Brexit dilemma and the influence of Fox News and I you can't help but thinking that Rupert Murdoch got his start in tabloids mm-hmm. and I've talked about this before you know our our society is so susceptible to to really like pop culture influence I mean Donald well, we Trump, love smut.
2: Yeah, Americans Donald was, loves
0: smut. <laughs> but Donald Trump was like a pop culture figure. I mean that's what the apprentice did for him and and we don't um you know Our news organizations should be the backstop, like you're saying, to give us factual information, not be engaged in this like infotainment for ratings and profit like they are doing. I mean, last week I was up to here and, you know, people people are saying in the comments as I would get my open Jessica is torqued. Yeah, I was torqued like stop freaking platforming Donald Trump. This is insane. He is a domestic terrorist. He tried to overthrow our country. And, and the, the platforming and mainstreaming of him has a real impact on people's perception. You know, when you put a legitimate person or someone, you know, who is supposed to be legitimate in their job as a journalist next to him, that legitimizes him. Mm. And we can't afford to do that anywhere in any forum.
1: No, Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, that's the problem is that you keep putting him on the air and calling yourself real journalists. except no one pushes back on him. That The interview from last week uh, where he was on Meet the Press, they didn't do that live. I mean, they could have fact-checked him after the event and put it up on the screen as he was speaking. If he says one thing, you put the truth on the screen. That would have been journalism. What they were showing us was how many Trump voters and how many angry liberal voters can we get to watch this show for advertising dollars, and that serves us no one except the uh, people that own networks.
0: Yeah, it does. And then, and like I said last week, full circle moment for NBC because they were the <laughs> ones that that created so much of this with The Apprentice. But um, you know, we will co- we will continue to call it out, won't we? Yeah, we have to. <laughs> we mean, have to.
1: <laughs> Do it. We're in trouble. Yes. The nation is in trouble. And I think it's that's the thing that people need to Very remember. Serious. The nation really is in trouble. Yeah. And we can't just assume someone else is going to come along and make yeah. sure that we don't go down a Hungarian or Russian rabbit hole. Like we could easily become an authoritarian nation in a blink of an eye, and people yeah. won't know how to reverse it. You know, I keep thinking of those pictures of Iran in the 70s and you know, all these women on the beach and, you know, in their cool mod dresses and their big sixties hairdos. And, and, and then I think of Iran today and all these women who are trying so hard to not just be murdered for showing their hair and to have their voices heard or they're arrested and hung for dancing. And I think is America so foolish that we think that we are immune to that because we're not. And then the amount of people who I know who Absolutely realize we're not immune to that, are terrified by that, and then are talking about, well, I'm going to move to New Zealand, no. to Spain, to Portugal, to Canada. You know, and I think just to be clear, if America goes authoritarian, yeah. there is nowhere in the world that you are safe. You are not safe in Portugal. You are not definitely not safe in Canada. How long before an authoritarian government under a DeSantis or a Trump turns their eye on Canada? Right. And says, boy, you've got a lot of natural resources up there and we have a whole military and you have nothing. Seconds. Seconds. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why we are supporting the war, Russia's war on Ukraine. Right. Because we don't want to live in a world in which a bigger nation can just turn their eye on their neighbor and be like, we would like you to be part of us. That's not how it works. You can't just have autocratic nations storming into democratic nations, killing their people, taking their land. That's not the kind of world most of us want to live in. And America has been able to support the democratic nation without getting into the war themselves. But it's essential that Ukraine wins for the future of the world most of us want to live in.
0: Obviously, obviously. And I have zero patience for these nutcases like Ramaswamy who are saying that supporting Ukraine is not putting America's interests first. Doing anything but supporting Ukraine is putting Russia first, is putting the autocrats of this world first. And our investment in the security and, and sovereignty of a democratic country like Ukraine is absolutely in our interest as the, the leaders of the free world. Our number one interest, you know, I, I get so... So like peeved when people I hear, you know, sometimes I'll have these conversations, Lee, with Trump supporters or, or like Trump supporters, you said pee- even Trump pee- supporters and <laughs> <laughs> Trump supporters in denial who will say they're all bad or, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter. And then they tell me that um NATO got too close to Russia. NATO got too close to Russia. So I'm like, OK, so if someone moves in next to you who you don't like, I guess you can just go into their house and start robbing their house. And when they say, get out of my house, you can say you say, give me uh, just give me more of your belongings. Give me your TV. I'm going to maybe take some of your children and then uh, and then I'll agree to leave your house. And that would be a fair deal. I mean, what the hell? This is, is such a sick calculation. And like you said, they're opening the door for any number of countries. I mean, I think Taiwan. We're looking at Taiwan next if we don't if we don't take a stand here, because the autocratic forces of the world are united against the democratic forces in this moment, and it's vital. This is this is so such a defining moment. I wanted to give Zelensky uh, some of the platform that McCarthy denied him by uh, replaying some of the speech that he gave at the UN this week. So let's let's take a listen.
2: We know the names of tens of thousands of children and have evidence on hundreds of thousands of others kidnapped by Russia in the occupied territories of Ukraine and later deported. The International Criminal Court issued arrest warrant for Putin for this crime. And we are trying to get children back home. But time, time goes by. What will happen with them? What will happen to them? Those children in Russia are taught to hate Ukraine. And all ties with their families are broken. And this is clearly a genocide. When hatred is weaponized against one nation, it never stops there. Each decade Russia starts a new war parts of Moldova and Georgia remain occupied. Russia torn Syria into ruins. And if not Russia, the chemical weapons would have never been used there in Syria. Russia has almost swallowed Belarus. It is obviously threatening Kazakhstan and other Baltic states. And the goal of the present war against Ukraine is to tear our lands. Our people, our lives, our resources into a weapon against you. against the international rules based order.
0: And You see the Russian ambassador there with his head down. Of course, he doesn't want to face the absolute atrocities that
1: Russia is committing on the Ukrainian people. I mean, really, people need to understand. Yeah. Uh, I have to say this is not to plug my own show because I did this, you know, last year. But I did a really deep dive on uh, the Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, one year later. And in researching it, it's an entire podcast, which is just basically me explaining why I think you should care, why it matters that Ukraine wins and wins completely unconditionally, um, what Russia has done, what Russia is accused of, um, and the atrocities that they're committing on these people. And it's actually a really amazing uh, sort of lesson in what's really going on, because I think a lot of us, uh, we have an idea, but it's too much, and it feels too far away, and we don't understand, so we kind of check out. And uh, I would recommend people go back and listen to that, not because I'm so fabulous, but because it really explains why you should care. And I think once you know what's really going on, you can't not care. And I think that's essential. And I'm very pleased that the Republican senators, for the most part, aside from seven of them that are idiots, uh, were very respectful to Zelensky when he came and did have him speak to them. And, you know, Mitch McConnell, for all the terrible things he's done, he understands the importance of winning this war against Russia because he's he's a politician, but he gets it. He understands the world order, unlike Kevin McCarthy and his uh, Rugrats show that's happening there, um, because this really is such a serious moment in time. Like you said, the autocrats of the world, they're uniting. Um, they're they're not uniting under some sort of ideology that they all agree with. They're uniting that it is great for certain people to have all the power and all the money and they will help each other, you know, so, which is why Russia helped Belarus when, um, listen, Lyshen- Lukashenko. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my head with a bunch of, yeah. Lukashenko, when he took over, he did not win that election, right? He of course did not that. win. Of course um, not. And, uh, and, and. And he was like, these people are riding. My people are riding. They know I didn't win. And Russia was like, here's the plan. You do this, you do this, you do this, you kill a certain amount of people, you arrest a certain amount of journalists, they will stop, you know? And he owes his presidency and his continued rule to Russia. It's the same, but they'll all work together. You've got Iranian, uh, you know, theocrats working with Chinese communists, working with Russian plutocrats, you know it, they're all working together. It's what, um, yeah. Ann Applebaum from the Atlantic calls autocracy Inc. It's like, if you think of it like a corporation, there's a corporation yeah. autocracy Inc. And there's a corporation democracy Inc. And they're, you know, they're corporate competitors. Yeah. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's just layers of it. It's, you've got C-suite people, people that are most important. You've got worker bee people, you've got that kind of thing. It's a corporation and autocracy Inc. is really looking to take over the world. And we have to be very clear that that's not what we're down for. And it's going to take work on all of our parts. And Zelensky is entirely right to be outraged because can you even imagine your child being taken out of your house and stolen from you? Uh, And then indoctrinated to (laughs) to hate you. And then indoctrinated to hate you. Yeah, Yeah. it's just so sickening. And the amount of mass graves and the amount of true genocide that they are committing on the Ukrainian people is absolutely sickening. Um, And so people, if you want to spend you know, 48 minutes and know really what's going on, I would highly recommend going back and listening to that Ukraine One Year Later uh, podcast I did because I learned so much um, researching it. Um, But it's really good to know why you should care.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, I saw some commentary this week about about American sustained interest in Ukraine, and and why um, I don't know. Somebody was criticizing the framing of that. In other words, we should have a sustained interest, and that should be co- constantly acknowledged and and appreciated, especially because we have had so many opportunities. I mean, if you look at Putin's history in Chechnya, in Syria, I mean the, the global the global community had so many opportunities to confront. His aggression, his terrorism, and they didn't. And you know, I always liken this to the the tolerance for impu- You know, having impunity for these autocrats and dictators, like with Donald Trump. You know, the more you let them get away with things, the worse it gets. The more severe it gets, the more damage is done. Um, and now we have this light shined on Ukraine, and we can't we can't afford to look away. And I'm, you know, you mentioned those Republicans. It's really um, interesting. We have up on the screen right now that the Pentagon has exempted Ukraine operations from a potential government shutdown, which was a very good announcement this week um, so that there's uh, assurance that support for Ukraine will not be halted in, in the event that these these Republicans do shut down our government. Um, also, Joe Biden um, announced additional aid to Ukraine this week. But it's interestingly, you were mentioning uh Republican support for Ukraine. And that's, this is another indication of the split within that party because some of, some of the strongest support for, um, arming Ukraine quicker and being more, more, you know, forward in our support for them has come from Republicans. And I got to say, I'm in agreement with that position, I think, you know, I'm, I'm in agreement with the Gary Kasparovs of the world, with Alex Vindman, with Timothy Snyder. I think the faster and the more aggressively that we arm Ukraine um, and hasten their victory, um, that's what we have to do. And I think that's what Zelensky is constantly asking us for. You know, time is what we're dealing with here right now. We need we need victory now.
1: I agree with that. I understand that. But I also know that um, one of the things I really love about Biden, and people go on and on about his age, is the amount of time he's been in politics, and the amount of time he has danced this dance. He knows these steps. It is very important, especially in an international war, uh, that you walk a very fine line where no one can claim America is the aggressor, and yet you can still defeat uh, the enemy. And they'll do things like uh, give planes to Poland and then Poland will donate planes to Ukraine. So it's it does feel a little middlemanny, it does feel a little like we're just skirting the rules a little bit, but I think that's politics and diplomacy and there is a way that it has to be done so that we don't get ourselves into a full-scale war which Russia would freaking love. Um and we don't end up having all the autocrats of the world Uh, competing with all the Democrats of the world and the Western nations versus the, you know, we don't need that. The world doesn't need that. And that's why I think that Biden has been so amazing at bringing the NATO nations back together. NATO was crumbling under Trump, and he would have completely dissolved it, removed America from it. And it is so much stronger now under Biden. And I think that Putin is putting all his his chips now into a Republican, but particularly Donald Trump winning that election again, because I think that's what keeps Putin in power. That's what keeps Putin alive. And I I think it's just essential that we stay the course, that we help Ukraine until we are in a position in which Russia can no longer be helped and then we can defeat them. But right now we're, because of where our election is and we could flip everything over and then really a, a Trump presidency, a Republican presidency, we would stop funding that war without a doubt. And so I think we really need to stay the course in our nation and then be really careful internationally, not to cause any ripples that would cause us a bigger, uh, more costly, uh, mm. life and money disaster. And I, so I think I trust, uh, Anthony Blinken, the secretary of state. I trust Donald Trump. I trust the, but I, you know, I understand what you're saying. I love Alexander of And he has said from the beginning, we need to go in hard and we need to defeat them. Um, But I do think we are, we have to walk a very careful line um, to make sure that we don't start a giant international incident. Yeah,
0: I appreciate that perspective and and the eye on the prize for keeping Donald Trump out of the White House, where Ukraine is essentially handed to Russia in a gift basket. Yep, um, exactly. And, and the dexterity of Biden in handling all of, you know, just so beautifully reuniting the International Coalition for Democracy that Donald Trump was, you know, ripping into shreds. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to talk a lot more about it. Let's take a quick break and we'll, we'll get back to these threats of democracy on our democracy and, and the Democrat delivering to defend our freedom (laughs) fall is planting season it's true many plants actually do better when planted this time of year but you have to know where to start that's why I love fastgrowingtrees.com the experts at fast growing trees curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate location and needs you don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers fast growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days Whether you're looking to add some privacy, shade, or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24/7. I don't have a green thumb, which is why I love Fast Growing Trees. Now I can have the healthy, happy plants and flowers that I love. Even if you're like me and don't have a green thumb, they'll make you feel like you do, just like over 1 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers across the country. Plus, with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. Listeners to our show get 15% off your entire order when you go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on, but only through October 15th. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on. fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on. So you gave us a great rundown earlier uh, of just a few of the things the Biden administration has done this week. Um, As you mentioned, they they uh, launched the first of its kind American Climate Corps, which is this workforce to train uh, young people to. Uh, For jobs and clean energy and climate resilience, it's going to support a wide range of jobs to restore coastal wetlands, um, help with forest management, fighting wildfires and building other clean energy projects. I know that this is something that the climate movement has been pushing for for a long time. And here you have President Biden delivering on it. So important.
1: So important. And like, we need to deliver for the young people. These are their priorities. Groups like the Sunshine Movement that have been working so hard uh, to uh, improve the the environment. We can't say to them, we're not looking, we're not listening, we're not paying attention. You know, that's how they end up in the Green Party voting for a third party. Isn't it funny, Lee, that
0: we that we define like the climate issue as a young person. issue? like it's literally like the survival of the planet.
1: (laughs) We're just actually paying attention. (laughs) I, climate is a huge thing for me. I, I went to the very first earth day celebration in Toronto in the nineties. remember we were like, yeah, we're all going to recycle. This will be great. You know, we had no idea that the gas companies knew they were trashing the planet and hiding the information. And, you know, there's just been so much devastation yeah. and so much uh, misinformation again, here yeah. we are again okay. with the misinformation. And the thing is, is that there's so much potential, um, to be leaders in green energy, yes. to be innovators in green energy, to make money from these yes. new industries, from Absolutely. making batteries, to making windmills, to there are so many things yep that we could innovate again. We could be the the nation that, you know, that is the leader in green jobs, in climate emergency, in climate rescue. America saves the day. That's what we all, oh, we love those stories, right? We could be that. And we keep missing the opportunity to be these world leaders again in this new uh, world because we're stuck with like an anchor to the oil and gas companies and fossil fuels. And it's the young people that are like, yo, stop, you know? And so then you have this 80 year old president delivering. And today he was, he was talking with the, about the gun, um, the new gun, uh, white house gun uh, prevention uh, group. And he was up on stage with himself and the vice president and Maxwell Frost, you know, the youngest congressman uh, in the house. Yes. And it's like, was 26, right? Yeah. And the president is 80 and they both have the same agenda to try and help gun violence, to help the environment, to yeah. protect democracy. And so it isn't just a young person thing, of course, but I do think we need to answer the young people's call when they ask for it. So they know we're listening and so they can see that change might not happen as quickly as we all need it to and we all want it to, but it is happening and it is happening from one party only. Only,
0: Absolutely. One party only addressing mm. intergenerational needs. I mean literally existential needs, the survival of our country, like the the kids being able to go to school without being, you know, fear of Mowed being down to death. I mean, it's mm. unthinkable. You're talking about um, you know, your your early days celebrating Earth Day. It, it made me think of, you know, another kind of weird place that i was in supporting the republican party for many years you're looking at someone who like stopped eating meat when she was 10 years old and like loves animals more than anything else like doesn't wait i don't waste food i don't waste anything like i have always been anti-waste anti-pollution and yet i was caught up into thinking that somehow you know the climate agenda was corrupt for years because I was poisoned by this propaganda. Even somebody like me, and I met others like me who, um, you know, were just so swayed by the propaganda of of the right that they were acting and voting against their own best interests and things that they held so dear. And I think that's the case for so many Americans who still support Republicans or support Donald Trump or the right wing. They don't understand that these people are actually against their own self-preservation and interests. Um, I wanted to play a clip from President Biden. You know, obviously the issue of, you know, protecting our children is completely nonpartisan, and he really brought out the stakes today at the White House.
3: They, guns. I
1: never thought I'd even remotely say this in my whole career. Guns are the number one killer of children in America. Guns are the number one killer of children in America, the United States of America. More than car accidents, more than cancer, more than other diseases. In 2023 so far, our country has experienced more than 500 mass shootings and well over 30,000 deaths due to gun violence. This is totally unacceptable. It's not who we are. And we have to act, we have to act now. And let me be very clear. If members of the Congress refuse to act, then we'll need to elect new members of Congress. that will act. Right? <laughs> Lee, I know you have about, thoughts on this. <laughs> but listen, I say this to people all the time. Like, we want change, right? You can, we want change. We want it to happen. Um, but we still have to work within the system we're given, right? So we have an election coming next year. And he's saying, if we want, if these people are not going to give us common sense gun legislation when 80% of the country is for it, then we have to elect new people. And Um, I think the thing is that people need to understand is that when we come into a presidential year, we get confused that if I just elect a different president, then everything will change. But that is not how our system works. That's not how the two party system works. Like we've had a two party system since the 1800s, right? And since then, no candidate outside of those two parties has even come close to winning the presidency, right? So in the past hundred years, only the only third party candidates that have carried even a single state only happened three times, right? So uh, there's a man named Robert La Follette. He won Wisconsin in. 1924. Then segregationist and Dixiecrat Strom Thurmond won four Southern states in 1948. And then former Alabama governor uh, George Wallace won uh, five states in the South um, on that same segregationist racist platform in 1968. So the highest percent of a popular vote that a third party or independent has ever received in this country was Ross Perot in 1992 when he won 18.9% of that vote. But Ross Perot's you know, uh, favorability dropped to 8.4% when he ran again in 1996. And since then, only one third party candidate has won more than 3% of the popular vote. And that was libertarian Gary Johnson in 2016, which is, of course, the same year we got frickin Trump, right? So we need to understand that an election spoiler, which is what we're calling third parties, is a non-winning candidate whose presence on the ballot affects which candidate can win. So typically a third party candidate ends up taking votes from the party that they most closely align with. So if we're talking about um, environmental stuff, so let's take the Green Party, right? A Green Party candidate is typically going to siphon votes from the Democrats. So voters want a more environmentally conscious, a more left-wing candidate, and then they vote for the Green Party in the presidential election, and they end up helping the numbers of the more right-wing Republican candidate, right? So that's what happened in 2016 with Jill Stein. She received just over 1% of the national vote, and she had no chance of actually winning the presidency, but the votes that went to her in swing states like Michigan and Pennsylvania Pennsylvania and Wisconsin ultimately pushed the Democrat vote down and allowed those states to go to Trump. So the green voters wanted more environmental candidate and they ended up with the guy that gutted the EPA. Right. So that's the lesson here. I think we need to think about that no matter what we want for our party and no matter what changes need to happen, um, no matter how obvious it is that we need to do things like guns are the number one killer of children in America. Boy, should we do something about that? You know, like, it's so obvious. And yet we have to understand that then we have to vote for the party that will get us closest to that uh solution and yeah. not undermine our own goals. Not undermine yeah. exactly. So exactly. third party candidates, whether that's RFK or Cornell West or Kanye West or no labels, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, they don't need a whole lot of support no. to swing an election to the person that is furthest away from the people who voted third party, right? Absolutely. But I think we need to be really careful that if we want these kind of changes, we need to do it at the state level, at the local level, do it for mayor, build it from the inside out, from the ground up. Don't think you're going to get some pie in the sky idea president because they just cannot win in our system. No, they can't even win. They cannot win. And no. even if they did like, all the stars aligned and some you know, candidate out of nowhere took a third party vote, they still can't get the things that they're promising done because they have to work with Congress.
2: And And maybe at
0: some idealistic future point, we might have a place for a third party in this country. Like we are not there. We are like a crisis moment where we have to align with the one sane, non-autocratic party in this country. And I was really gratefully this week to see some alarm bells being raised about this no labels effort. I mean, even democratic groups are uh, going on the offense. There's one called Democracy Alliance, who is a network of of liberal donors. And they're really urging people um, to, to, to be wary of this no labels effort, um, they have they're trying to pressure them privately to not not launch a candidate. Just if 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 their interest really is to have someone who will protect democracy, they must understand that inserting themselves into this fight is only going to help Donald Trump.
1: Um, and so I think I think those no part, no label people know that.
0: Yeah, well, that's and that's goal. that's the other. Yeah, that's <laughs> the other really. That's the other thing, because their funding is totally shrouded. They have not been transparent at all about it. You know, there have been there was an article in Mother Jones about how they're using a platform, a fundraising platform that is also supporting some of the most extreme right wing candidates um, and funding is being, you know, diverted over to them. So it's it's not I think you're right in saying they know they know. it would Oh, help listen, the, yeah.
1: the donors we do know about are all Republican donors. I mean, Harlan Crowe's in there. That's, you know, Clarence Thomas's sugar daddy, right? They've hired Republican staffers. They're using Republican vendors. They have Republican pollsters. These are people who have donated millions of dollars to Mitch McConnell, to Glenn Young, to Tom Cotton, to Kevin McCarthy, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't care if you gave money to Manchin the past four years, you're not a Democratic donor. You're a corporate donor. So like, let's just be really careful. And then the people that are running this organization all have an axe to grind against Democrats. Like the guy that started it, he was fired by Clinton, right? He hates Hillary. He hates Bill Clinton. You know, there's another guy who was fired by Biden, fired by Obama. There's a guy that was fired by the NCAA double ACP. He was sued by his own people. Like these are people like persona non grata in democratic Mm -hmm. parties, in the Democrat circles in general, and they have an ax to grind. So Mm -hmm. if you look even at their policies, because we don't know who their candidate would even be, and they're going to do it all behind closed doors. Their donors are behind closed doors. They'll pick the primary candidate behind closed doors. They cannot win a presidency. So you know that they're a spoiler vote, but even the policies we do know about they're all Republican policies. They're national voter ID. They're against any kind of censorship of big tech. So it's like Elon-style Nazi stuff, right? They have no policy on healthcare, no policy on climate change. They want more military money. And I'm like, more military Like yeah. these really right-wing uh, platforms. And I think we need to understand that these third-party candidates, any of them, they're being deeply deceitful to the nation, right? They're telling people that they're offering a choice and they're not. They're offering an illusion, right? Like there is no way a third party candidate could ever be president the way our system is set up, period. And so what they're doing is taking people's votes and siphoning it somewhere else. And I think people need to be really aware that they're either ma- making a vote to be... um a spoiler vote. They may know that they're doing that, but then they may as well just go and vote for Donald Trump themselves. Or they have to know that they're making a protest vote, but they're not going to get what they want or any of the policies that they want. And I think what you have to do is vote for the party that's going to get you closest to where you want to go. And I think we have to be really careful right now because like you said, like this is it. There is no coming back from this. This 2024 it's we're not dealing with the lesser of two evils i mean we started here right this there is no lesser of two evils like i fundamentally disagree with that narrative in general everything that the democrats have accomplished in biden's first term especially before the republicans took over the house and turned it into like a gong show um their plans that they have moving forward the things that they're doing now from climate to gun control to helping people who are in debt because of medical um and student do- student loans. Um, this is it's all, all for success
0: the and beneficial. I know and it's not that, evil it's, at all. There's, it's, I know it's like
1: they're pro women's rights, pro voting yeah. rights, pro union rights, pro environment, pro democracy. Yeah. Like it's not the lesser of two evils. Not right? at all. They're That's a why good party, like, and we should be like... saying that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When you have somebody like Chris Christie come out who is right on, on his, all his condemnation of Donald Trump and then acts like we have to save our country from Joe Biden. I'm like, please stop.
1: I mean, this please is just stop. We should, really, always say that. We should be like, yeah, What are you talking about? It's
0: insanity. It's insanity. Anybody, anybody who genuinely acknowledges and understands the risk of Donald Trump would be uniting with Joe Biden, period. Full stop. Full yeah. stop. Um, but, you know, you mentioned I was not aware of that connection that, that uh, Harlan Crow had to no labels, but we had, you know, speaking of Harlan Crow, the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, new reporting yet again today of Clarence Thomas being invited to these donor events with the Koch brothers, with the Cokes. Uh, again, in 2018, not having disclosed these trips on his financial disclosures. I mean, when is the evidence of corruption going to end with Clarence Thomas? And, you know, we could bring this back full circle to how we started this show of Democrats calling out corruption in their ranks and Republicans tolerating, you know, the most corrupt because they are adding to their power dynamic. That's all they care about. Power at all costs. Doesn't matter how corrupt or compromised you are as long as you are doing our bidding.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I think that it's it's just amazing that the court that the right built is corrupt. And corrupt people give us corrupt rulings. You know, the party that the right built is corrupt. And it's everyone from uh, George Santos to Donald Trump. You know, like, these are corrupt people. Ken Paxton, <laughs> my God, he's the head of law enforcement. Like, he's the head. We had, a, the, I did an interview with- in uh... Texas. I did an
0: interview with James Talarico, Democratic uh, representative in Texas, who's been on the show several times about the Texan uh, or the Paxton "quote unquote" acquittal. Great interview that we're going to put out this weekend. It's just it's it's outrageous. Completely it is outrageous. outrageous.
1: It's outrageous, and you know, I did an amazing. I had an amazing conversation with Dahlia Lithwick about this on the Politics Girl podcast a couple weeks ago. About, and I would highly recommend people go and listen to that because we were talking about the courts, and she knows everything about the courts. And honestly we can do something about this corruption, right? Because there, this is corruption and we should say that, right? Like how much are we hearing about the courts and they're not even in session, right? It mostly comes down to people discovering Clarence Thomas seemingly never ending freaking gravy train. um, And he's completely bought and paid for. And we have to stop pretending that's not the case. He and Samuel Alito, who are the two most extreme members of that court are also the two most bought and paid for members of that court, right? So there's, No question that there's a problem. But the idea, and Alito has said it himself, is that, well, you can't touch us. No one can no one can regulate us. We are a standalone imperial group of people. No, they're not, actually. Not remotely. Why should they, unlike every other court in the country, have no boundaries, no guardrails, no ethics to follow, right? So I think it's very important that we as a people take a step back and look at this court as a whole, right? Because this court is not used to being looked at, right? Their cases are being done in the dark. They're doing everything on the shadow docket. They don't put cameras in there. We don't see them deliberating. Everything is quiet and silent. And yet the more they're scrutinized, the more questionable a lot of their decisions appear, both on and off the bench. And one of the things Dahlia says is despite how frustrated we might be with this particular court, we're actually at an amazing moment in American history where for the first time in decades, we have an opportunity to message our politics for the court. We have the opportunity to say, we're not happy. We insist that you change things. We want to understand that these justices are not kings. We did not put them in charge. They get to decide all our laws with nine unelected people. Like that is not how it works. We do answer to Congress and Congress can implement term limits, ethic rules. We can expand it if we, we can expand for the court. And how do we expand the court? By electing people
0: into our Senate who are willing to do that, who are willing to make it a court that doesn't have three justices uh, appointed by a man who lost the popular vote and a Congress. You know, I I think I said this the first time we were on a panel together. The Senate, when they were 50-50, Republicans in power represented 40 million less Americans than Democrats because of the imbalance of the Senate. So that is how disproportionate the representation of who put these justices in place is to the impact that they are having on the lives of Americans, women in particular, infringing on our rights and most basic freedoms. We the people can vote these people out And have a, you know, they call it packing the court. Give me a break. The court is packed right now. We need to balance it and expand it so that it is not packed with these corrupt people doing the bidding of their power brokers.
1: Yeah, it's institutional change, but it's absolutely doable. And we just have to ask for it. Yeah.
0: I mentioned to you when we talked before this episode, I kind of like to flashback sometimes. And on the subject of the Supreme Court, I don't know. I, I don't even know why this came to my mind this week, but um, we have an amazing justice in Ketanji Brown-Jackson, the one one justice that Joe Biden has been able to appoint, first African-American, of course, uh, woman justice on the Supreme Court. I love her for so many reasons, but I i have this uh, clip that I that I it was in my mind. And I just, I wanted to play it because, you know, we're talking about the role of the people, the role of each one of us. Here is a woman that accomplished amazing things and was doubted on that journey. And there's this interaction during her confirmation hearing um, last year that I just think is, is so inspirational and formative for all of us. We can take so much from it. It's, it lasts a few minutes long. So just sit back for the last few minutes of Lights On, indulge this precious, amazing conversation that Alex Padilla, Senator from California, has with Katanji Brown Jackson.
3: Last Friday, in my preparation for these hearings, I took the opportunity to spend some time with a group of students at South San Francisco High School. I went there to speak with them about this historic Supreme Court nomination and to speak with them about you. We had a great conversation about how the court's decisions affect the everyday lives of Americans and about the past and the future of the Supreme Court. But as I was speaking with the students, I couldn't help but be reminded of my own high school experience. When one of my teachers discouraged me from applying to MIT because they didn't want me to be disappointed. I turned that discouragement into motivation. Judge Jackson, I know that you too have been doubted on your way to the seat that you find yourself in today. Even over the last three days, Of this hearing your experience and qualifications have been called into question by some despite your clear lengthy record of talent achievement and accomplishment so i want to end my time today by asking you this question on behalf of the young people i visited with last friday in south san francisco and for the many others across the country who are watching this confirmation hearing today, what would you say, Judge Jackson, to all those young Americans, the most diverse generation in our nation's history, what do you say to some of them who may doubt that they can one day achieve the same great heights that you have?
4: Thank you, Senator. Um, That was very moving. And I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak to young people. I appreciate it very much. I do it a lot for the reasons that you have articulated. I, um, I hope to inspire people to try to follow um, this path, because I love this country. Because I love the law. Because I think it is important that we all invest in our future. And the young people are the future. And so I want them to know that they can do and be anything. And I'll just say that um, I will tell them what uh, an anonymous person said to me once. I was walking through Harvard Yard my freshman year. As I mentioned, I went to uh, public school and I didn't know anything about Harvard until um, my debate coach took me there to enter a speech competition, and I thought, this is a great university. It was basically one of the only ones I'd seen, and I said, maybe I'll apply when I'm a senior. But I get there, and whoa, (laughs) so different. I'm from Miami, Florida. Boston is very cold. Um, it um, It was rough. It was different from anything I'd known there were lots of students there who were um, prep school kids like my husband (laughs) um, who knew all about (laughs) knew all about harvard and, and that was not not me and i think the first semester i was really homesick i was really questioning um do i belong here can i Can I make it in this environment? And I was walking through the yard in the evening and a black woman I did not know was passing me on the sidewalk. And she looked at me and I guess she knew how I was feeling. And she leaned over as we crossed and said, persevere. I would tell them to persevere.
3: Thank you, Judge Jackson. You don't have to hope. I'll tell you right now, you do inspire. You are an inspiration. Thank you. And I will associate myself with the uh, closing words of my colleague and my brother, Senator Booker, that I too refuse to let anyone steal my joy thank you mr chair
4: thank you senator padilla senator tillis
3: thank you mr chair i
1: just love everything about that it's so beautiful it's everything we've been talking about right i mean it's we have to invest in our future and we have to do what's best for the country long term and when she said i love my country that's how i feel every day you know, we're fighting so hard because we love the country. And if you love something, you don't give up on it, even when it's broken. You know, you say, we can do better. We can come back another day. We can fight again. And I love that the person that really saw uh, Justice Jackson there was Alex Padilla, because like we were saying, the Senate itself is so terribly undemocratic. Yeah, And there you have someone who speaks and represents one in eight Americans. California is gigantic. And we have just two senators. And there's our senator right there speaking for the rest of us saying, you are, you know, persevering, you are um, inspiring us, you are doing the right thing. And I thought it was very striking when he said that, you know, you have to turn discouragement into motivation. And Absolutely. I think the Trump years really discouraged a lot of Americans. And I yes. think it also motivated so many of us yes and and i think that hope we have to carry on through and defeat these dark forces that have really tried to take us down yeah and you know your show's called lights on, lights on. right <laughs> we got to keep the lights on we got to keep it going and yeah. keep our country's head above water so these young people that are coming up can do so much better than what came before them
0: yeah and how many of us in any walk of life have been doubted at some point use, use that doubt, turn it into motivation. And like he so beautifully said at the end, don't let anyone steal your joy. No, absolutely. Lee McGowan, love to have you here on Lights On. Thank you so much for spending the hour with me.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: It was great. It was great. Thank you everybody for joining us this week on Lights On. I want to give a shout out to the Lights On OGs, the luminaries who have really, uh, you know, built this show with us and been with us from the beginning. We love you so much. We love you all. Um, as as always, if you want to support this show um, and support my legal efforts, you can do that at thejessicadenson.com donate. We are getting our case, our original fu- uh, foundational case against the Trump campaign to trial, and we need your support. So if you can, that is so much appreciated. What you can do to support this show completely for free is just subscribe to Jessica Denson on YouTube, um, subscribe to Lights On with Jessica Denson, wherever you get your audio podcasts. And um, it's only taking me uh, five years and killing the Trump NDA, but I'm almost up to 10,000 followers on Twitter. I'm not a creature of social media. But if you want to put me over the edge, go follow me on Twitter until that uh, platform goes completely up in smoke. And you can follow me on other platforms that I am getting more involved in, even though this is Like I said, not my native territory social media, but I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram um, and Spoutable and I'm I'm posting more and more on YouTube as we go. So you can do all those things to support this show and keep the democracy fight alive. You have great power. Um, Never forget it. Let your light shine and have a great weekend.